Getting ready for Suns Warriors for the first time of the 2022-23 season at Footprint Center tonight. Here to talk NBA and Phoenix Suns with us from the Athletic NBA senior writer Sam Amick, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show uh, and uh, obviously anticipating a huge matchup right now. Um, and uh, like, we we didn't have the greatest feeling about the Phoenix Suns coming out of, uh, you know, embarrassing playoff defeat to the Dallas Mavericks, a really uneven kind of eventful soap opera filled offseason for a number of different reasons. But through three games, they look pretty good. I mean, what, what have you seen uh, from, from your viewpoint on the Suns through three games, Sam? Yeah, I mean, it's this league just cracks me up with how unpredictable certain things are because, you know, in some situations you thought the locker room dynamics would impact things on the floor, and, and they did, you know, uh, a la, you know, kind of the Lakers come to mind. But then you look at Phoenix, and we made all these assumptions about, you know, whatever kind of toll it, it was taken during the Robert Sarver experience, you know, in addition to the DeAndre Ayton uncomfortableness in terms of his contract negotiations. And then you look up and, and these guys look really good. You know, they obviously dropped that game to Portland, but we're seeing how, how well Portland's playing early. So it's, it's a good start for them. And, and a reminder that uh, they obviously got a pretty darn good team. I uh, I, I personally see a lot of uh, potential holes on this roster. I, but let's start with Chris Paul. You've been covering this guy for a long, long time. You know him just about as well as anybody. Let's put in context here. What are we seeing now? Because I, I think we all kind of reconciled what we saw at the end of the Dallas series. And that might have been a player who, who had come down with COVID-19 and might have been zapped of his energy. But he doesn't look all that different this year. Is he just slow rolling his way? into a season or do you think maybe it's all catching up to him tough to tell Dan you know I think you know we're gonna have to look at this thing a month in uh, if they can keep winning games while he finds his way that's obviously great and, and, and book of course has been playing his, his tail off and, and kind of carrying them as well as DeAndre but you know yeah it's a slow start for Chris uh, you know and I'm cheating here and glancing at his game log and you know it's like you got you got poor shooting. Um, you know you still got pretty big minutes. So uh, Monty Williams is is trying to help him find his way and leaving him out there. But um, you know distributing and, and you know defensively, uh, he's just not the guy he used to be. So we'll see, right? I mean, yeah. thirty seven years old is you know it's funny because you you know I wrote about this last year that the whole backstory about how when Oklahoma City first got Chris. They sat in a room with he and his personal team, like his agent and a bunch of his people. And, and Sam Presti and his Thunder front office had a PowerPoint presentation that they shared with Chris that, that had all this stuff about what typically happens to point guards who at that time are, you know, he's looking at a 35-year-old, not 37. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris, of course, kind of like, you know, they didn't take kindly to this and decided to prove everybody wrong. And he has to this point. But there's a reason that the data looked the way it looked in that presentation. You know what I mean? And and, and that's just kind of the, the fight that he's going to be, you know, keep pushing back on with Father Time here. Sam Amick, uh, NBA writer from The Athletic, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Sam, maybe you can help us make sense of where it's at right now with the Jay Crowder situation with the Suns. And to rewind, I don't know if I understood the Suns telling Jay Crowder at some point, hey, you're not going to start or finish for this team. I'm not sure I understand Jay Crowder, who's been the ultimate team player in his career, saying, all right, then trade me to somewhere I want to be. And I don't know if I see any kind of resolution uh, in the near future. I mean, can you make heads or tails of this and, and, and where we are in this process? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with the way you, you framed it, Vince. Um, it's funny because, and this is just on my mind today, I, I did this interview with John Wall that just came out today, right? And he talks at length about his situation with the Houston Rockets where they told him, you know, hey, you're welcome to stick around, but you're going to play 10 minutes, you know, one night, and then you're not going to play the next, you know, as long as you're okay with that reality then sure, come aboard. And, and he, of course, wasn't. And they decided to, to have him stay home while they found a trade. Now, it's you know not quite the same situation mm-hmm. in terms of Jay's deal, but, but it does kind of illuminate a thing that in the league is a little bit troubling where these good, like, however they got there, you just have good players who are not playing, and it's unfortunate. And, okay, so Cam Johnson is elevating, and Jay, you know, uh, isn't loving the fact that maybe he doesn't have his – spot anymore uh, in, in terms of what it used to be, but it seems pretty extreme to have had it go the way that it does. Uh, you know, if, if that was what happened all over the league, that would not be a good thing. You know, I think about the Warriors and how, you know, Jordan Poole is kind of quickly coming for Clay Thompson's job. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to send Clay home, you know? Um, so uh, that part's unfortunate. And, you know, there's obviously interests when it comes to Jay. I mean, he's a guy that's it's a, an absolute winner. You know, Arsham Sharania had reported this week on our site that, uh, that Milwaukee was interested and, you know, there's been some other teams attached to that too. Miami was one of them as well. But, you know, we'll see where it goes, and, and the sooner the better for Jay to get back on the floor. You know, some of the people I, I talk to around the league, they're, they're kind of perplexed at what James Jones's long-term uh, plan is here. It's very rare for a team to be in it to win it like the Suns seemingly are, and yet have their full cachet of draft picks. Nothing leaving, nothing coming back. And, and yep. people wonder if they're just sitting on this, if the Kevin Durant thing still might be in play. How do you make sense yep. of, of how they're handling their roster right now? Uh, I don't, I mean, other that's your analysis, Dan, and I think it's spot on. And so I'm making sure I don't act as if I'm hearing that. But in terms of what I've covered on this story from the past, that makes a ton of sense. Um, the Durant thing is, I mean, if you have a, a team like the Suns that feels like it's close, and then, you know, you talk about like dream propositions, you know, Kevin Durant is on everybody's short list. If, if you're a team that wants to win right now, like the reason that the trade offers for him were not great last time around is because obviously if you're talking about the long view, Kevin Durant just really doesn't fit into the long view. Like he's a short-term prospect, but um, keeping your powder dry like James might be here would be wise. And I also know from talking to James in the past that, you know, like even going back to his rationale for, the DeAndre Aiden contract, uh, you know, and, and the way they handled that, that had everything to do with keeping their options open. And I'm always a sucker for understanding the way people's minds work, right? So, you know, you got to also remember that James is, you know, a massive part of that Miami Heat little mini dynasty where what did they do? They, they threw a bunch of elite wings together, you know, with LeBron and D-Wade and then Chris Bosh down low and, and found a way to, to dominate the league. And, that sort of a mentality, I think, certainly remains as far as James's 
view on team building. So that would make a lot of sense, uh, and maybe that does explain why he's slow playing it here. Sam Amick of The Athletic, our guest. Before we uh, let you go, Sam, I wanted to ask you a question uh, about the Lakers. <laughs> there was so much made about uh, their offseason, their roster construction. It took Darvin Ham, their new head coach, three games before he was talking about players uh, you know, not getting their feelings involved in, in, in situations. The shooting numbers are absolutely atrocious for them. Um, is this at all fixable in your mind? Um, I mean, long view, yeah. It's not anytime soon. And, you know, I I think I'm probably starting to be on the side of the fence that thinks that I understand why they don't want to give up two first, you know, for a trade like, like Buddy Hield and Miles Turner because it's going to take you from very mediocre to maybe okay. And that's, and that's a big price to pay yeah. for that kind of a, you know, improvement. Um, it might be time to seriously talk about just, I mean, ironically, we talk about, I'm sitting here saying you don't want good players to not be able to play, but real you know, Russ's choice to be upset with coming off the bench to, you know, do the very things that Darvin Ham has been begging him not to do like that shot, yes. you know, with, 30 seconds left um, in the in the last game against Portland. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that might ultimately lead to him getting sent home. And then they just figure it out from there. And yet again, we're going to have a John Wall type situation um, because it is, it really does appear to be impacting the mood. Uh, LeBron, I, I feel it's my opinion that he's, I mean, he's biting his tongue to a pretty major degree here. Um, because I think at this stage of his career, he just, this is again, me projecting or, or analyzing. I don't think he wants any, any, I don't, he didn't want his fingerprints on, you know, kind of the end of the Russ era. And he doesn't want to be the one perceived as having pushed him out and not been there for a fellow star player. But you, it's not hard to watch his body language and, you know, some of the other guys on the team. It's a bad situation. And they're a bad team, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Sam, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for carving out some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. You got it.